Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Assalamu alaykum. Uh, welcome to you guys that are uh, that have uh, joined us live. Um uh, welcome to everyone who listen to the podcast uh, in the future inshallah. Um Today's uh, discussion is uh, going to be based um, on Abdurrahman Said Nursi's 30th word, first name, um, which is his discussion of uh, the human faculty known as Anna, okay, Anna, um, which is usually translated into English uh, as either ego or I, you know, like just the uh, capital I, um, or sometimes even um, the self. Um, but when it's translated in that way, it can be confused with the nafs. Um, uh, so uh, I'll refer to it during this discussion as the anna, um, or uh, maybe the, the ego sometimes. Um, in the 30th word, first name, um, Bedizaman will uh, you know, tell us what the anna is um, and how it functions to enable us to know Allah. Okay, That's his function, like all our faculties. It's there in its own way to help us to know certain names and attributes of Allah or uh, certain aspects of the beauty of uh, those names and attributes. That's its function, but the problem is that, um, as I've mentioned in previous weeks when we've talked about egotism and um, uh, things of that nature, it is open to misuse. Okay, So uh, we'll try to understand what's exactly meant by that. You know, this anna we'll see is given to us as an amana, right? It's given to us on trust. If we don't use it correctly, if we misunderstand its nature and don't use it correctly, um, then uh, in that sense we become, if we do that, we become egotistic, we misuse the anna, um, we break that amana, okay? We act contrary to that amana, okay? We break that trust um, and we set ourselves up as partners to Allah, okay? Um, so I promised that I'd have a more in-depth discussion on exactly what the Enna is um, uh, recently. Uh, so that's what we're going to do this week, inshallah. Um, uh, some of the things that Bedizaman says here will be, um, yeah, we'll, we'll need to put our thinking caps on, you know, um, uh, maybe a little bit more so than last week. Yeah, uh, this is somewhat more of a technical discussion. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll try to make it understandable, inshallah. So, without any further ado, let me go ahead now and read from the first name. Now, I'm not going to read straight through here because it is quite lengthy. So, I'm just going to, out of about four pages of reading here, I'm just going to probably pick a couple of um, pages. So, yeah, I'm just going to try to pick the parts that are most relevant because otherwise there's going to be far too much information there, um, you know, for us to, to talk about and make sense of Um so, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll only read part of it, okay? Okay. So it starts off here with a verse from the Quran, and I have it rendered here in English as follows, okay? Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of Allah, the merciful, the compassionate, we did indeed offer the trust, okay, the amana, to the heavens and the earth and the mountains, but they refused to undertake it, being afraid thereof. But man assumed it. Indeed, he is most unjust, most foolish. Okay. We shall indicate a single jewel from the great treasure of this verse as follows. Okay, so he's going to give us a tafsir of just part of that verse. Okay, just one of its deeper meanings. The anna, the ego, or the I, is one component, one aspect of the numerous aspects of the amana, the trust. From the bearing of which the sky, earth and mountains shrank, and of which they were frightened. Okay. Okay, I'm going to skip forward now a little bit. Almighty Allah has given to man, by way of a trust and amana, a key called the anna, that is such that 
it opens all the doors of the world. He has given him an enigmatic Anna. Okay, so it's an it's a, it's a sort of thing that um, is mysterious and difficult to, to make sense of. He has given him an enigmatic Anna, with which he may discover the hidden treasures of the creator of the universe, of Allah. But this Anna is also an extremely complicated riddle and a talisman, a secret, that is difficult to solve. When its true nature and the purpose of its creation are known, as it is itself solved, so too will be the universe. The all-wise maker gave to man, as an emana, an ena, an, an ego, which comprises indications and samples that show and cause to recognize the truths of the attributes and functions of his dominicality. Okay, his rububiyya, Allah has rab, Allah has administrator of the universe, Allah has meter of all the needs of all beings. Okay. Okay, so it causes us to recognize the truths of the attributes and functions of that, of Allah's rububiyya, so that the ana might be a unit of measurement, and the attributes of rububiyya and the functions of divinity might be known. However, it is not necessary for a unit of measurement to have actual existence. Rather, like hypothetical lines in geometry, a unit of measurement may be formed by hypothesis and supposition. It is not necessary for its actual existence to be established by concrete knowledge and proofs. Okay. So I'll just say a couple of words about what he said there. So this ana, what we're talking about here is this faculty, right, through which we feel like, first of all, we exist as a being in our own right. Okay. So you know, we're all self-aware beings. We're self-conscious beings. Okay, I know that I exist um, and that I'm a being in my own right. Okay, um, I'm not the same being as um, anybody else. Okay, um, I'm uh, I'm me. Okay, I'm Turhan. I have a name. Um, I have my body. I have my faculties. Um, and further to that, I seem to do certain things. Okay, I seem to. That's the critical thing. I see. I feel as though I do certain things. I achieve certain things. Um, I own certain things, certain attributes, um, and so on. We'll say more about this as we go along. Right? But that's what the Enna does. It's really a feeling or a set of feelings uh, through which we feel like we exist and um, we do certain things and own certain things. Like, you know, for example, I feel like I own my house or I own my body um, or I'm the one who just prepared that meal, or I'm the one who um, drove that car, or I'm the one who wrote that essay. Yeah, all of those feelings right, where we feel like we're the ones who do certain things or own certain things, well, that's the inner functioning, right? Those, the inner is just those feelings, okay? So when you feel those feelings, that's your inner functioning. All right. But the feelings of what he's pointing to here um, by saying that, you know, um, it's not necessary, um, you know, for it to have an actual existence. Right? It's more like a unit of measurement. Yeah? And we'll say how as we go along. But the feeling that I own myself or that I do certain actions, that I own um, certain items of property, let's say, um, that doesn't actually have to be real. I don't have to have a real ownership. I don't have to really own myself. I don't have to be the one who really does those things. For the inner to do its job, I just need to feel as though I own and do and have those things. Okay? Okay, so let's go on and finish our readings. Question. Why is knowledge of the attributes, right, the safats, and the names, the asma? of Allah Almighty, connected to the I, to the Anna, or the ego. How is it connected to that? How does this Anna help us to know Allah and his names and attributes? The answer. Since an absolute, right, mutlak, absolute, right, or an infinite, a mutlak, 
and an all-encompassing thing has no limits or end. Neither may a shape be given to it, nor may a form be conferred on it, nor may it be determined what its quiddity or its mahia, its essence, is, may not be comprehended. For example, an endless light without darkness may not be known or perceived. Okay, so he's talking here about we finite beings. We're finite. Okay, um, all our abilities, all our faculties, they're very much finite. Our knowledge is finite. Our ability to see is finite. Uh, our ability to know is very much limited and deficient and dependent and finite. Um, they're, all of these are the very opposite of being absolute or infinite or mutlak. Okay, um, because we're finite, we cannot know the infinite. Okay, we struggle to know the infinite without Allah's help, without Allah's intervention, um, without this ana. Indeed, uh, we're not going to be able to know Allah's infinite names and attributes. Okay, that's what he's alluding to here. Okay, for example, an endless light without darkness may not be known or perceived, but if a line of real or imaginary darkness is drawn, then it becomes known. Thus, since Almighty Allah's attributes like knowledge and power, right, and His names like Hakim and Rahim, right, all wise and all compassionate, since these names are all encompassing, right, limitless, without like, right, in other words, they're infinite, they're absolute. These names and attributes, right, they may not be determined, and what they are may not be known or perceived. Right? So we finite beings cannot know these infinite names and attributes of Allah right? unless he helps us by giving us the anna. Okay. okay, so let's go on. Therefore, since these names and attributes do not have limits or an actual end, it is necessary to draw a hypothetical and imaginary limits on those names and attributes. The anna is what does this. It imagines in itself a fictitious rububiyya, a fictitious dominicality, a fictitious ownership, power, or knowledge. It draws a line. By doing this, it places an imaginary limits on the all-encompassing attributes of Allah, saying, up to here, mine, after that, his, with a capital H, his, Allah. We'll come back and talk about this part. Right? This part's really important. Okay? Right? And by doing that, it makes a division. With the tiny units of measurement in itself, it slowly understands the true nature of the divine attributes. For example, with its imagined rububiyya, the menicality, right, over what it owns, right? So we human beings, right, with our imagined ownership, right, over, for example, our, our, our homes um, and our lives, um, uh, you know, and our say our families and so on, right, with our imaginary sense that we own or administer these things, right, the Enna may understand the rububiyya of its creator over contingent creation, right, in other words, all of the, you know, created worlds. And with its apparent ownership, it, the Enna, may understand the true ownership of its creator, right, al-Halik. Allah, saying, like I am the owner of this house, so too is the creator, Al-Khalik, the owner of the whole universe. And with its partial knowledge, it may understand his, Allah's knowledge. And with its small amount of acquired art, it may understand the originative art of the glorious maker. For example, the Anna says, as I made this house and arranged it, so someone must have made the universe and arranged it, and so on. Thousands of mysterious states, attributes, and perceptions, which make known and show to a degree all the divine attributes and functions, are contained within the Anna. That is to say, the Anna is a mirror, sorry, the Anna is mirror-like, and like a unit of measurement and a tool for discovery. It has an indicative meaning. Having no meaning in itself, it shows the meaning of others. 
Okay, so remember we talked about um, uh, the difference between manai harfi and manai ismi, right? Something can have a meaning that um, uh, is about itself, right? That's uh, you know self-referential. Um, uh, sorry, that's uh, yeah, yeah, that that's self-referential, or it can have a meaning that points to some other, okay? Um, that is other indicative, and the ena is like that. Really, you shouldn't look at it. Um, uh, for the meaning that points to itself, like you shouldn't understand it through that meaning. Right? You shouldn't um, see it as something real. Right? So the feelings that it gives you—that's what he's talking about here. The feeling of ownership, for example, that it gives you. Right? Um, rather than imagining that feeling of ownership to be something real, rather we should understand that that feeling of ownership is there. Right um, to make understood something else, something beyond itself. Right, namely, right, something about our Creator, something about Allah. All right. It is a conscious strand from the thick rope of the human being, a fine thread from the raiment of the essence of humanity. It is an elif, Arabic letter A, an elif from the book of the character of mankind. Okay, he goes on here for some time. I'm going to skip ahead. Um, okay, I'll read this part. Yeah, I should read this part, okay. Um, this anna has two faces, right? In other words, there are two ways that you can understand it, right? Two ways that you can, um, yeah, look at it. The first of these faces looks towards good and existence. With this face, it is capable of only of receiving favour. It accepts what is given. Itself, it cannot create. This face is not active. It does not have the ability to create. Its other face looks towards evil and goes to non-existence. That face is active. It has the power to act. Right. So he's just saying there, there are two ways that you can see this anna, uh, as we've already mentioned. Right? You can, so for example, the feeling of um, ownership over my actions that it gives me. Right? Um, I can see that as real, right? or I can see it as rather just a feeling. Right? Um, uh, just something that's there to help me to understand something about Allah. Okay, that latter way of looking at it, right, is good. Right, the former way is is not good. Okay, so thus he who knows his own self in this way and realizes and acts according to it is included in the good news of the Quranic verse. Truly, he succeeds who purifies it. Okay. So if you understand, in other words, if you understand your inner in the right way, okay, and use it to your advantage, if you um, don't misuse it, in other words, what you do is that, right, you truly carry out the amana. Okay. So you use that faculty uh, as the giver of that trust, namely Allah, right, as he wants us to use it. Okay. You, you carry out the amana. And through the telescope of his anna, he sees what the universe is and what duties it is performing. Okay. When the anna fulfills its duty in this way, it abandons its imaginary rububiyya and its supposed ownership, right, which are just tiny units of measurement, and it says, His is the sovereignty, and to him is due all praise. His is the judgment, and to him will you all be brought back. And by, by, by thinking and saying that, it achieves true worship, and it attains the rank of ahsan taqwim the most excellent of patterns. But if, forgetting the wisdom of its creation and abandoning the duty of its nature, the inner views itself solely in the light of its nominal and apparent meaning, if it believes that it owns itself, right, then it betrays the amana, and it comes under the category of the Quranic verse, and he fails who corrupts it. It was of this aspect of the amana, therefore, 
which gives rise to all ascribing of partners to Allah, all shirk, evil and misguidance, that the heavens, earth and mountains were terrified. They were frightened of associating hypothetical partners to Allah. Okay, So he's referring in that part there to that verse that we read at the start. Um, uh, uh, we looked at the, uh, at the rendition of its uh, meaning in English. Um, uh, in that verse, Allah informs us that the amana that Allah gives us, right, and part of that amana is having this ana, right? uh, you know, together with various other things, right? um, various other faculties, like, for example, your nafs, um, and so on. Other entities right, refused to take it, take it on, on trust, okay? They were afraid that they would not be able to use it correctly, and by misusing it, that they would attribute, end up attributing partners to Allah, they were afraid that they'd end up committing shirk, right? So that's what the verse is referring to. Um, but we human beings, right, we were prepared to take on board that risk. Okay. Okay, I think I'll finish our readings there. I think what I've read from that first name of the 30th word will be sufficient, inshallah, um, to talk about this thing called the Anna, okay? Um, so, think about, just by way of example, guys, like think of, uh, you know, we can pick any divine name or attribute, right? See, because like, remember we spoke last week about Allah's infinitude, his absoluteness, right? Um, we said that he's Jamal and Kemal, he's a being of absolute beauty and absolute perfection. Um, which is to say that Allah is infinite in the qualitative sense of the word. Um, he doesn't have any limitation or any defect or any imperfection. Um, uh, he's absolute in that sense of the word. He's mutlak. Um, he's infinite in that sense of the word. Um, and everything about him has to be understood in that way, we said last week. Um, so consider any of Allah's names or attributes. Right? His name, for example, of Nur, um, uh, you know, the one who enlightens, right? Um, and, you know, through the manifestation of that name, Allah, for example, creates all kinds of lights, um, including the physical light that we perceive. Or consider, for example, his name of Qutus, the most holy, you know, and one, one, just one manifestation of, of this name of Qutus is um, all the cleansing, all the purification that we see occur in the universe, you know, for example, in our bodies or, you know, the cleaning that occurs, um, uh, you know, out there in the streets or in our own homes or even out there in the wider universe. Um, you know, for example, uh, you know, a star explodes and then the debris from that star is, in a sense, cleansed, right? Um, it's sucked up into um, uh, a structure like a black hole, you know, uh, and in that way, you know, the face of the universe is cleansed, yeah? So all these forms of cleansing. So consider any of Allah's names like that. You know, um, yeah, you know, names like uh, Rahman, Rahim, you know, Allah has being of mercy and compassion. Allah has uh, a being of absolute holiness, you know, uh, Qutus. Allah has Nur. Consider any name of Allah that you like. They're all infinite, right? They're all um, uh, at the level of absolute beauty and perfection, uh, which is to say that, yeah, no imperfection can be uh, imputed to them. When Allah... If Allah wanted to, he could manifest his names like this, okay? Um, he could, for example, create a light that goes on forever, right? Like just a physical light. Right? He could create a light right, which is limited by no darkness, right? He could create an endless and an ongoing light. So like just imagine a, um, a space field, right? Just like imagine a universe of infinite proportions, and imagine that this universe is filled with light all throughout this infinite uh, space field, all throughout this infinite universe. Now imagine some finite being within that universe. Right? What Bedouzman's telling us here right, is that this finite being right, would be unable to understand that light. He'd be unable, he, he, he wouldn't be aware of it. Right? He wouldn't be able to perceive it. He thereby wouldn't be able to properly uh, uh, appreciate it. And he thereby, he thereby he wouldn't be able to give um, 
uh, proper thanks for that light. He wouldn't be able to perform his duty of worship in respect of that light. Um, he's, he's a finite being, but yet this light is infinite. Okay, So I, I think it, it ought to be relatively straightforward, at least from one perspective, right, to see that, right, to, to, to understand that a... Uh, um, the finite can never fully apprehend the infinite, okay? Um, the finite can understand, uh, can perceive, can, can uh, know and appreciate the infinite, right? Only aspect by aspect, okay? So how does Allah bring it about, for example, that we perceive and appreciate um, the light that we see here in this finite universe? Well, it's because... There are times when um, there is light, and there are times when there is the apparent opposite of that light, okay? namely darkness. Yeah. Um, there's, for example, uh, daytime when there's light, then there's nighttime. And thanks to that, we, we now are both aware of that light, um, we're aware of uh, daylight, you know, uh, the, the light that emanates, and um, we're able to appreciate it. If it wasn't for uh, that light being, in a sense, uh, limited by, um, you know, it, it being interspersed, rather, by periods of darkness, we really wouldn't be able to appreciate that light. Now, if to, to understand this, like if you, if you want to sort of consolidate this idea in your mind, just think about this, right? Think about any bounty in your life, any niatma in your life that's relatively constant, okay? Um, and you'll notice that the more constant that bounty, that ni'ma, right, that reality is in your life, the less the the the, um, the lesser the extent to which you're able to really notice and appreciate that bounty. Okay, so imagine this, right? Think about this. Like, when was the last time you um, thanked Allah for the fact that your eyeballs remain in their sockets? Yeah, that's a very constant reality in our lives, isn't it? Right, your eyeballs remain in their uh, in, in their eye sockets. Yeah, I mean, would you uh, would you be pleased? Like, would you be happy if your eyeballs fell out of your eye sockets? You wouldn't. Um, uh, but nonetheless, we never really stop to uh, think about that particular niyatma. Right, just your eyeballs. Look, forget about the fact that your eyeball that your eyes can do certain things. Just the fact that your eyeballs remain in their sockets, okay? That particular niyatma. Nobody really thanks Allah for that, okay? I mean, I can't remember the last time I stopped and appreciated that. Or, for example, the fact that um, my, uh, my arm remains attached to my body, yeah? or that my, you know, my fingers remain attached to my hands. Um, or, for example, that I'm just able to continue breathing, yeah? Like... When was the last time that we thanked Allah just for our ability to continue inhaling air? So, because these realities are very constant, right, we hardly notice them. Like, you know, the only time you might notice that being able to breathe right, um, is such a ni'ma is maybe when um, you come close to um, uh, drowning one day, let's say, or maybe when someone puts their hand over your mouth. Or, or maybe when you get some uh, illness like, um, uh, you know, asthma or something like that, where your ability to breathe is um, restricted and constricted, okay? Um, you know, only when they're apparent opposites, right? So they're, only when their apparent opposites intervene right, are you able to um, even just be aware of these things, okay? Like, we don't even really notice. Like we're, we're, we're not even really... Um, let's put it this way, it's certainly not at the forefront of our minds that our fingers remain attached to our hands or that we're able to continue breathing and so on and so on. Like you could think of countless examples of just constant niyatma. Um, the niyatma that we tend to you know, be aware of more often um, are the ones that are, in a sense, less constant, right? Like, for example, we're somewhat more aware of um, the niyatma that is the food that we eat because we only eat at certain points in the day, you know, um, yeah, you know, most of the day we don't eat, and then at sort of three or four or five times a day, then we do eat. Um, and, uh, you know, thanks to that, we're, we're very cognizant of the fact that we're eating, and further, we're able to then appreciate 
the fact that we can eat, the fact that you know food makes is able to make its way onto our table, and so on. Um, so you know, if you think about that for a while, yeah, you know, you'll you'll realize that the more you know, the greater the extent to which something is constant or infinite, you know, or non-finite, um, then you know, the the lesser we're able to uh, perceive and appreciate that. Okay, so. To really make this understandable, like imagine this final example, okay? Like, let's pretend that, you know, we we were never created um, in the dunya, right? Let's pretend that we're sort of like angelic beings. And we're created right from the very outset in the um, in the Akhira, in Jannah, let's say. Right? So we're created in Jannah. Let's say there was no dunya. Let's say Allah chose not to create. I mean, let's imagine the impossible and imagine that Allah never created the dunya. All he creates is Jannah. Um, so there's, there are another, no other realms. There's just Jannah. Um, and here we are. We're sort of like angelic beings in Jannah. Um, now, notice that Allah's name of Shafi right, uh, is manifesting even in this Jannah, even in this scenario. right? Allah's name of Shafi manifests in this way. And it will, in, in reality, it will manifest in this way too, um, even in the Akhirah. Okay. Um, even in reality, Allah's name of Shafi will manifest like this. It will manifest through the fact that the beings that reside in Jannah just have constant um, good health. Right? There's never any question of ill health in Jannah. Right? You just forever and always enjoy perfect good health there. Perfect good health. Um, no, no pain, no absence of good health, even for a millisecond. Okay, and this continues on forever, right? So that's what gender is going to be like. But like, imagine that we were created in gender in the first place. Right? Would we think about this, right? Would we even notice the fact that um, we're just in a state of constant good health? From what Bedizaman is saying here, we wouldn't actually notice that. Um, we wouldn't really be cognizant of that, um, and 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 therefore wouldn't be able to truly appreciate that particular particular uh, aspect of Allah's beauty, that particular niyatma, that particular bounty that's manifesting there in gender, because it's quite constant. It's it's very much infinite. Right? It's not limited in any way. It's in no sense finite. Um, it's just. Uh, manifesting always and forever and everywhere, uh, you know, in, in the sense that no part of your body gets sick. You don't know of anyone who's ever been sick. You've never heard of anyone getting sick. You have no knowledge in any way at all of such a thing as the absence of health. Well, then you wouldn't really appreciate um, good health. Okay, so rather than create us in gender from the very outset. Therefore, what Allah does is He instead creates the dunya. Um, and here, Allah's name of Shafi manifests as well, right? Um, uh, most of the time, most of us do have good health, right? Especially here in the Western world, most of us have good, have good health. But then, you know, every year, once or twice, we're confronted with it's with the apparent opposite. Of the manifestation of that name, right? So why do I say the apparent opposite, right? Why are things like illness right, and poor health and pain and so on, right? Why are they only the apparent opposite of uh, Allah's name is Shafi, right? See, the thing is that Allah's name is Shafi, um, like all of Allah's names and attributes, it's something infinite, right? It's um, it's something perfect. It's without limitation. Um, uh, so it's something perfect. It's something eternal. It's something ongoing. But consider the illness that um, exists here in the dunya. It's not really the perfect opposite of um, uh, uh, Allah's name is Shafi. Right? It's not the perfect opposite of that. Um, it's not the perfect opposite of it because to be the perfect opposite, it would need to be like it. It would need to be ongoing. It would need to be infinite um, uh, and so on and so on, right? Um, but it's not. Like what happens is that we have a sickness of um, some limited severity 
for you know some limited part of our lives. Um, uh, it's here for yeah, you know, uh, uh, only some people suffer it, and so on and so on. Right, all the uh, kinds of uh, sickness, right? All the you know sort of apparent opposites of Allah's name is Shafi, right? That manifest here in the dunya. Um, they're all only merely the apparent opposites of that name, right? Because they're all very much limited. They're all quite finite, you know. Um, and that, that that that's an important um, uh, thing to keep in mind. Okay, we're not seeing uh, you know uh, absolute illness here, are we? We're not. We're we're seeing merely finite illness. Right? But thanks to that very finite, that very limited um, uh, illness that we do see manifested here in the dunya, right? You know, it's not like it's not as if every single person is sick for every moment of their lives, is it? You know, I mean, that would be perhaps closer to the opposite of, um, you know, the the absolutely beautiful and perfect thing that is, you know, Allah's name is Shafi and its manifestations. Uh, no, you know, we only have, yeah, you know, limited, a very limited, um, uh, you know, sorts of sickness, uh, here in the dunya. Well, thanks to that limited sickness, however, um, actually Allah brings about a great good. Right. So even that very limited and temporary, transient, that very finite um, thing called uh, sickness that we witness here in the dunya, right, actually Allah does no evil. Right? Allah brings about, Allah does nothing wrong. Because thanks to that, now we're able to appreciate that absolutely good thing, that, 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 um, Absolutely uh, Jamal and Kemal thing that is the manifestation of Allah's name of Shafi. Okay. Um, if Allah's name of Shafi manifested here in the dunya in the same sort of way that it manifests in Jannah, then we're just not going to uh, perceive it. We're just not going to experience it. Um, we're not going to be conscious of its manifestation. Although it will, or even though it is manifesting, we're just not going to be conscious of it. We need uh, sickness. Um, and things similar to it to make us cognizant of, uh, you know, uh, this thing that is the manifestation of Allah's name called Shafi, right? This one example. You, know, you can make similar examples for um, all of Allah's names and attributes, right? You know, uh, if there wasn't, um, for example, um, a limited and finite uh, dirt or dirtiness, um, uh, or disorder, you know, we wouldn't appreciate uh, Allah's name of Qutus, the All-Holy. Um, you know, we're able to appreciate the manifestations of Allah's name, name of Qutus, um, you, know, uh, you know, the All-Holy, um, because of the existence of dirt and uncleanliness and so on, right? Um, so, you know, the, uh, these things... Um, like dirt and you know lack of cleanliness, they act as the apparent opposites of that particular name, um, uh, or, or the manifestations of that name. Right? So you know you could make countless examples like that. Um, well, the human enna plays right, a, uh, the very same role right, um, as these sorts of uh, apparent opposites that we just talked about. Right. So we just talked about you know things like. Um, you know, dirt or, you know, uh, uh, the absence of cleanliness. Uh, we spoke about, you know, darkness, you know, the absence of light. Um, you know, we spoke about sickness. Right? All of these sorts of things that enable us to know uh, names and attributes of Allah, like Nur and Qutus and Shafi um, and Rahman, Rahim and so on, right? Um, well, that very same role is played by the human Anna in respect in particularly in respect of all of Allah's names and attributes that pertain to his rububiyyah, his dominicality, his being, you know, the owner and the administrator of this entire uh, universe and indeed the whole created realm, okay? Um, see, Allah is uh, uh, an owner, um, he's a ruler, you know, um, you know he, he, he's Malik al-Mulk, for example, um, he's a creator, he's al-khalik, um, you know, he's a rab, he's a lord, um, he administers the whole universe uh, and all of our lives within that universe. He meets and administers the needs um, and wants of all beings all at once, right? So Allah has all of those sorts of names and attributes. Well, the anna no, assists us to know those infinite names and attributes. If it wasn't for the Enna and the way that it functions, right, we 
not going to perceive or appreciate the beauty and perfection of those infinite names and attributes, right? That pertain to Allah Subhanahu uh, that pertain to his uh, his his being the owner, the ruler, um, the doer of certain actions, um, the possessor of certain things. Um, so what the Anna does, in a, uh, it gives you the feeling that you yourself own certain things, do certain things, administer certain things, um, uh, and so on. Right? It gives you at least the feeling that you do that. Now, we did speak about similar uh, issues in recent discussions like uh, you know every time we spoke for example about the fact that um, uh, you know uh, Allah um, uh, uh, every time we spoke for example of the way that our free will operates yeah Um, you know we said that we feel as though um, we act in the world like I feel as though I'm the one who's lifting up this glass like I chose to lift it up Um, and then I sort of feel um, you know in my very muscles uh, I feel this glass lifting up you know I really do feel as though I'm the one lifting that up but we spoke about the fact that really um, what's going on, in reality what's going on is that I'm just choosing something, which is an immaterial act. I'm making a choice and then Allah's bring, bringing it about that this arm moves and this glass um, rises. Um, so my feeling is though I'm the one who's actually making it um, rise. That feeling that we've got to um, uh, actually understand and overcome, really. It's something to overcome, right? It's something to see through, right? Well, that feeling is really actually the inner operating, right? Um, To say that I feel as though I'm the one who lifts the glass, right, is to say that I have an inner, is to say that I'm the sort of being that feels as though I um, own um, certain things, do certain things, possess certain things, and so on, okay? Um, that's how the Anna functions. Right? It doesn't have to have uh, actually, um, uh, it doesn't have to be something real, like the feeling that it gives me. Right? The feeling that I'm the one who lifts this glass or I'm the one who feeds my family. Uh, it doesn't have to actually be real. Um, it, it, in order to do its job of assisting me to know Allah, um, it, it, I only need to feel as though I do those things. Okay. Um, the reality of the situation is this. Okay. Uh, uh, actually, uh, you know, it's not possible for me to be the one who lifts it, um, because Allah is a being of absolute power, and part of the meaning of being a being of absolute power is just this: that no other beings have any power at all. So, actually, right from the very outset, it's impossible that I should have my own power, even to lift a finger, even to lift a single glass. Um, but Allah wants me to both perceive um, and appreciate, you know, and give thanks for um, the manifestations of His names like Qadir and Khalik, you know, the Creator, and so on and so on out there in the universe. He wants me to truly appreciate the beauty and perfection of these names. Now, I wouldn't be able to do that, right, um, without the inner. Uh, so, like, remember, I gave an example in recent weeks about you know the difference between um, a, a spectator of a sport and and the actual um, participants of that in that sport. Um, so, if you bring that example to mind again, it's going to help us to understand uh, what Bedouzman's uh, explaining here. Um, if it wasn't for the Enna, we'd be very much like. At every uh, moment of our lives, we'd be very much just like uh, spectators, even in our own lives. Like, um, so, like, imagine this: here you are, you're a human being, right? And you know, you do certain things, don't you? Um, uh, you know, or at least you seem to, right? Like, you you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you have your breakfast, you drive to work, you indeed do your work, you drive home. You make a meal for your family. You put your kids to bed, etc., etc. All right. Um, imagine that whilst doing all of that, at no stage were you, first of all, aware um, that 
you exist in your own right. Like imagine you were sort of like uh, an android, you know, uh, like, uh, you, you know, in the future they imagine that there'll be you know, these very sophisticated robots that can speak to you uh, at such a high level that it almost seems as though they're conscious. Um, imagine you were a being like that, you know, you, you talk and you walk and you act, but um, you're just a machine, just a computer. You're not a conscious being. You're not aware even of your own existence, let alone aware of the fact that you're doing certain things. Right? Imagine you were like that. Um, you, you, even if you could, see, even if you um, had eyes and ears, you wouldn't even be a spectator in your own life. You'd be worse than the spectator of the sport. Um, that I mentioned in um, my, my, my example uh, a couple of weeks ago. So if you recall, I said a couple of weeks ago, who uh, might have been last week, you know, who know, knows the game of tennis or the game of soccer or any, any sport or indeed any activity, right? Who knows it better? The person who actually performs that activity, right? The person who actually, you know, kicks the ball into the net, the person who actually, you know, walks on the field and smells the grass, um, knows what it feels like to kick a ball, um, is actually skilled in that, um, uh, you know, knows what it feels like to hear the, the crowd roar, you know, when a goal is kicked and so on. Does that person know the sport, say, of soccer um, better? Or rather, does the person who's watching it from the comfort, comfort of his lounge room, right, just sitting on his or her couch, or does that person know it better? Well, you know, we said one or two weeks ago, yeah, of course, it's the person who's actually playing, who knows, uh, who has a better acquaintance with that sport and that activity than the spectator. Uh, he knows that um, activity in a far, far, in an exponentially more intimate way than the mere spectator. Okay. Well, if we didn't have Anna, right, if we didn't have Anna, Right? Well, let's pretend we had at least consciousness, yeah? Let's pretend like, like certain animals, in fact, right? There are certain animals that are like this. In fact, like, uh, probably a lot of animals are like this, okay? There, there, there might be only a few animals that aren't like this. Right? Imagine, you know, you're conscious, right? That you can even, like, feel pain, like, you know, if someone prods you, you know, you'll, you'll sort of react to that, you'll move. Um, you can see and you can hear, right? You're conscious, Right? But you've got no sense of um, self-awareness. Okay? Um, uh, indeed, when, just like certain animals, like when you experience pain, you feel the pain, but you don't realize that it is you who is feeling that pain. Right? Um, it's, been, you know, it's been discussed by philosophers of science that, you know, and indeed certain scientists, there are, um, you know, they've done experiments to show that there are certain animals like this. Although they perceive pain, they don't feel higher order pain. They don't know that they exist in their own right and that it is they who are feeling that pain. Okay? Well, we'd be, without the Anna, right, we'd be exactly like that. Right? Um, you know, we'd be, yeah, like, um, like a conscious android. You, know? you can maybe see, you can perceive, but you don't know that you yourself exist and that um, you, you don't know what it feels like uh, to be the one who does something, yeah? Well, that's what an android's like, or that's what, you know, um, uh, certain animals are like. You would not even know what it means to be the one who brushes your teeth or drives your car or, you know, goes to work and does certain things. The Anna enables us to do, or at least feel like we do all of those sorts of things. Um, but as we've discussed on many recent occasions, that feeling, um, it doesn't actually, uh, it's not actually real. I mean, I mean, it's real that we feel it, but um, what it makes us believe is not real, right? You know, uh, if you don't think about, if you don't think about it hard enough, you, you, you know, you'll believe that it is really you who is doing those things, right? You'll think that you're the one who's really, you know, moving all of those particles out there in the world that move when you do certain things. Um, but the reality is that Allah's the one who's moving all those particles. Allah is the one who's making your limbs move when you brush your teeth or drive your car. Um, but you just feel as though you're doing them. Right? Well, that feeling right, um, is the operation of the Anna. And now, thanks to having that, now you can understand uh, 
the manifestations. You can both perceive and appreciate the manifestations of Allah's names and attributes out there in the world, right, that relate to Allah's owning and doing things, yeah? Like, um, uh, like you know, let's let's use the example that Bediuzman gives, right? Like, Allah creates and administers the entire universe, right? Yeah? Um, how are we going to even perceive that? How are we going to even be aware of that? Right? How are we going to properly appreciate and worship Allah in respect of that particular um, thing? Well, it's only through um, us existing and having inner and um, feeling as though, you know, we do certain things. Like, I run my household, you know, I administer um, my household or my life and so on. You know, I'm the one who, um, you know, I feel as though I'm the one who um, cleans up or tidies up um, and arranges my house. Yeah, you know, I put my, my uh, kitchen table in the kitchen. I put my couches in the lounge room. You know, I feel as though I'm the one who set my house up, my little world that is this house. I feel as though I'm the one who, uh, you know, does those physical things. Um, and that's only a feeling, though. It's merely a feeling. Really, Allah's the one who brings it about that, you know, that couch is in, and ends up even in that lounge room. Um, Allah's the one who does it all, but I feel as though I do it. And now, thanks to that, I can appreciate, um, I can perceive and appreciate, uh, you know, Allah's names and attributes, um, uh, like, for example, his name of Rab. Yeah, through his name of Rab and his Rububiya, his dominicality, right? His lordship. Allah administers the entire universe, right? I mean, hundreds of thousands of species of living beings here on the uh, on, on the earth all receive their sustenance. They all um, receive the things that they need to, to continue their, their life and their existence day by day, moment by moment. Well, Allah administers all of that. He sends... You know, photons of light to them from you know uh, um, uh, the star, from the sun. Uh, you know, he brings it about that they're able to access water. Uh, he brings it about they're able to uh, ingest some source of energy and then metabolize that, and so on and so on. Allah does that in respect of every single microbe, every single living being, um, uh, past, present, and future, all at once. Okay, um, so the only way we're going to really appreciate that um, is through our imagined rububiya uh, in our own lives, right? Our imagining that we do certain things in our own lives. Now, that's the proper way to understand um, that feeling. Yeah, the ana is just that set of feelings that those feelings, you know, that you own and do certain things that you exist in your own right, that you own yourself, for example. Um, the proper way to understand it in it is like that. It is nothing but a tool through which you can understand Allah's names and attributes. Because those names and attributes are infinite, they're absolute, um, something is needed to draw an imaginary line around them. Yeah, um, You know, uh, something that in an imaginary way delimits them. Right? How does Bedizuman put it? Uh, up to here, mine, and beyond that, Allah's. Yeah, you know, we think that, hey, I do these certain things and then Allah does all the rest. But in reality, Allah does even the things that I think I'm doing myself. Um, Allah does everything, but I feel as though at least I do certain things. Um, and yeah, in that way, my inner acts as this, you know, uh, you know imaginary uh, unit of uh, measurement, you know. Um, uh, you know, it draws a hypothetical or imaginary uh, line, um, uh, a delimiting line around Allah's names and attributes. It can only it can only ever be imaginary um, because you know these names are absolute, um, and in reality there can be no limiting them. Um, but Allah is a being of such hikmah, right? Such wisdom, right? Um, you know, His wisdom is is so perfect that He's able to. Um, I mean, it's infinitely easy indeed for Him to. Come up with a schema, come up with some means, some methodology by which even we finite beings can come to know his infinite names and attributes. And at that we should marvel. At that we should certainly marvel. Um, so that's the correct way to understand um, all of those feelings, all of our feelings of ownership and, you know, uh, all of our feelings that we do, uh, 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 certain things and act in certain ways. 
the wrong way to view them right, is to think that, yeah, you know, no, no, that feeling of ownership, that feeling that I'm the one who does certain things, um, that feeling that I own myself, right, to think that those feelings are actually real, right, um, that the beliefs that they um, uh, uh, cause right, uh, are true, yeah, to think that, you know, the belief that I own myself is a true belief, um, that is a mistake, okay? That is that is a mistake. Now, I want to mention here, uh, just to sort of consolidate that idea, um, many of you would be uh, uh, familiar, no doubt, with um, the famous uh, uh, Sunni poet. He's um, uh, is, is a Persian, but nonetheless a Sunni poet, um, uh, 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 Saadi Shirazi, okay? So, so Saad, Saad of Shiraz. Um, is uh, uh, the 13th century uh, Persian poet. Um, he tells this story, right, pertaining to egotism, okay? So uh, it's just one example, okay, of this mistaken sense that, um, you know, we do certain things, that we own certain attributes, right, of beauty and goodness. Um, it's just one example of that and what a mistake it is to, you know, um, uh, to, to, to think in that particular way. Um he describes a situation when he was uh, a youth um, where, you know, um, uh, he gets up with his father in the middle of the night to perform, you know, supererogatory worship, right, from memory. You know, I might not have the details exactly right, but um, he gets up in the middle of the night to perform some kind of supererogatory, some kind of a sunnah worship. Okay. He notices at that time that, hey, nobody else has gotten up, right? Only, only he and his father had gotten up. And he says to his father um, something along the lines of, oh, if only all these guys have gotten up and just prayed at least a couple of records, you know, it would have been better for them. And how does his father respond? Right? His father says, if only you too had have slept in. If only you had, have, if only you had not have gotten up and then you wouldn't have said that thing that you shouldn't have said. Okay. So what's the mistake that Saadi Shirad is, uh, uh, made there? Right. So he's admitting that he's made this mistake in his youth. Um, he is in some sense, you know, um, uh, taken ownership of a certain good, right? So he's gotten up to perform a certain kind of worship, right? And there's a certain beauty in that. Right? He's assumed that, he owns that beauty, um, and he's seen that as putting him above certain others that have failed to manifest that kind of beauty at that time, okay? Um, and that is a mistake, right? Um, all the... As we've discussed on many previous uh, occasions, all the beauty that is manifested here in the dunya and even in the ahirah, it all belongs to Allah. Okay, Again, like all these other names, like Nur and Qutus and Shafi, it too, right? Um, uh, it too is, um, you know, a name of absolute beauty and perfection. Okay, um, It has no limits. It has no deficiency. Right? All instances of goodness are manifested by Allah and Allah alone. Um, therefore, we can't take ownership over any of them. And indeed, we every time we say Alhamdulillah, we're verbalizing this. So with our tongues, we say Alhamdulillah. Notice what we're saying. All praise is due to Allah. Okay. So if there's anything that's worth praising someone for, well, that praise belongs to Allah. So why, on what basis then would we think that we ourselves are worthy of praise? Um, on what basis would we think that we are uh, superior to certain other created beings? Um, all we can do is use our free will correctly to act as a mirror, right? as, a, as a reflector right? of Allah's um, beauty and perfection. So the beauty and perfection still belongs to Allah, we're just mirroring it. Right, um, you know, just as like when I hold a mirror up to the sun, and there's an image of the sun in that mirror, um, uh, you know, just as that that image um, belongs to the sun, it doesn't actually belong to the mirror. Um, you know, nor does the light, nor does the heat in the mirror belong to the mirror. Well, you know, in the same way, when we mirror Allah's names and attributes, um, we merely mirror them. That's all we can do. We can merely mirror them. Um, uh, in reality, they belong to Allah, but through mirroring them, we come to know, we come to have an experiential knowledge of those particular names and attributes, okay? And the anna, 
The anna, which has been given to us on trust, is one of the key means, one of the key faculties through which um, we're able to do that. Okay, We're able to fulfill uh, the purpose of our creation, which is to worship Allah. Uh, we're able to come to know Allah, experience uh, you know, and appreciate His beauty, and then respond uh, to that you know, through the thanks, the glorif glorification, and the exaltation uh, that comprise worship. Um, so that's um, uh, that's Badizuman's um, uh, discussion of the Anna. Uh, I believe I've gone for just over an hour, an hour and two minutes. So uh, I'm going to end there. Um, uh, I'll hand over to you guys if uh, anyone wants to add anything or, or, or say anything or if anything was unclear, um, please let me know um, and I'll try to clarify. Um, uh, and if not, we'll, uh, we'll end there. So. Okay, so I've got uh, Rima saying Jazakallah. What yakum, uh, Rima? Thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us as always. Um, okay, guys. So we'll we'll end there, inshallah. We'll end there. Um, uh, if anyone wants to look, if ever anyone wants to um, clarify at some later time anything that um, we've discussed, or if anyone wants to just continue this discussion, um, uh, there is always the WhatsApp group. Um, uh, if anyone doesn't have those details, please uh, um, let me know, and I can pass them on to you. Um, but we have the WhatsApp group. Um, do feel free to uh, raise any issues there, any questions, as, as some of you um, sometimes do. Um, uh, I'll end on that note. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana innaka anta al-alim al-hakim ala rasulina salawat Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad lillah al-fatiha Thanks again Jazakullah khair and Assalamu alaikum